Season one, we were in our feelings. Season two, we started dealing. And in season three, we are getting to the healing. Join me, your host, Justin Rain, and new guests each episode. Prepare to laugh, cry, possibly be triggered, but most importantly, evolve past it all as we continue to address our fuckboy problems. On this episode of Fuckboy Problems, titled Mr. Far, Far Away, I sit down and talk with award-winning writer, activist, George M. Johnson, and we talk about the prerequisites of long-distance dating, how to make it work with someone that's more successful than you right now, and the false definitions of compromise. If you haven't read his book, All Boys Aren't Blue, you're certainly missing out. You should go pick that up at your local Target or bookstore near you. And just know that in this conversation, he tells it just like it is. But up first, here's Fuckboys in the News. Good evening. Good evening. This, this is, is, the this is the news. Good evening. This is the news. Good evening. This is the news. Campaign between James and Phoebe really heating up now. Thanks. This is the fucking news. Is this the Krusty Krab? No! This is the fucking news. <laughs> and welcome back to Fuck Boys in the News. It's the portion of the show where if you're fucking up and you have no excuse for your actions, you should know that I'm going to call you out on them. First up on the list this week, we have none other than Mr. Ted Cruz. Yes, Texas's, I don't know, tortellini. I don't know. He's, he's, just, he's just a mess. <laughs> I wouldn't even give him, actually, the gift of calling him a tortellini because tortellini is good. He's probably Texas's toad, if anything. But this young man decided to... Actually, y'all know he's not that young. This old man, he decided to put his racist hat right back on this past week during the Supreme Court confirmation hearing for black nominee Katanji Jackson-Brown. Just like fuckboys, he decided to be so far left that he ended up making himself look like the biggest bigot and hypocrite in the room, you guys. This man decided to attack Miss Brown for being on the board of her daughter's private school that teaches critical race theory. If you don't know what critical race theory is, it basically, let me sum it up very quickly. Uh, it teaches the history of racism and the history of white supremacy in the United States, in American history, and shows that our history and in our times, it has in no way gone away and has actually influenced the way that our world exists, the way the United States government works and all those things in between. And basically what critical race theory does, it ties all those things together, kind of fills in all the blanks where, um, Sometimes there are excuses or we have white fragility about the real truth about what's happened in the, in America and in this world when it comes to race, race relations, slavery, etc. So let's jump back to Ted. So basically he berated Katanji over some of the books that were in the library at the school where she is a board member where her daughter also attends. Katanji repeatedly let Ted know that just because I'm on the board, what we vote about on the board or more so surface level things or more so financial like booster club like in no way do I have a vote or a decision on the curriculum taught in the school system so your point is mute and the funniest part about this whole thing is you all one of the books that he literally purchased on Amazon to bring to court to bring to this hearing it's actually being taught at his own daughter's private school so looks like he's gonna have to go Cry wolf at his own daughter's school. I don't know, but Ted, you look like a toad. You're whack. You're fuck boy. We're not doing it. Next up, Kevin Hunter Sr. We've seen him on the show here many, many times before, and this was informative, funny, and I guess stupid all in the same all in the same hour time span so Kevin Hunter decided to go on IG Live last week for a full hour 
And the craziest part about it is it started with technical difficulties. So we tried to go on his own personal, uh, go live off his own personal Instagram account. That didn't work. So we had to go off of his own, um, his publishing account, his business account, which has like zero followers. Like it's very, very low engagement. <laughs> he went on there to basically, I guess, tell his side of the story. Finally, he was like, I'm not going to stand and be quiet anymore. And he said all these things to say, basically, he doesn't regret his affair. Um, his child, or basically any of his choices that went into the chaos and the undoing of Wendy Williams and her show. He believes that she actually has responsibility as well. She was so career driven that she was not taking the time to really invest in family and invest back home, which is the biggest excuse in the book men try to use when they cheat. Oh, she wasn't giving me the attention I need. Oh, she was working too much. But wait a second, Kevin, weren't you also the same guy? that said that you were a pivotal piece in her career success so weren't you with her the entire time while she was shooting in the gym weren't you spending family time with her then and so if you're gonna blame her career maybe you need to look in the mirror and blame yourself if you weren't making time because you had time with her you just weren't using your time wisely or effectively and that's on you baby boy last up on the list is myself because, you know, when I started this podcast, I started with a commitment to acknowledge and hold myself accountable to being better than the person I was before and be better than my fuckboy choices at the time or my own fuckboy problems. Well, life got in the way, love got in the way, relationships, all those things. No, I haven't been a fuckboy, I guess, in so many words, but I feel like I allowed fuckboy situations and drama and personal stuff with my relationship, which is now over, um, to just keep me away from you all, keep me away from the things that make me happy. And more importantly, since season one, I've been saying, pick you, choose you, love you. And it took me a little bit longer than I would be proud to admit to pick myself, to choose myself and to love myself. And I just felt like, you know, I needed to get up on here, read myself, explain why the podcast has had such a long hiatus. Yes, we always do a holiday hiatus, but we usually come back a little bit earlier at the top of the year. And it took me a little bit longer to get over some of these things that I was going through. It took me a little bit longer to feel motivated, to feel ready to get back to this. And I want to let you all know why I wanted to hold myself accountable and I want to tell my myself and tell all of you all out there that no, you should continue to pick you, choose you, love you. Relationships do not have to end in a big explosion. They can just end because it's not working, it's not serving you, and it's not doing what it needs to do for you in a healthy way. And like Tabitha Brown said, it's a commitment and you have a right to change your mind every single day when you wake up. You have a right to change your mind every single minute. So with that, and no further ado, I can't wait for you to hear my conversation with George M. Johnson. It's going to be amazing. He really does tell it like it is. And it's a good one. It's all about dating, long distance, all the good, good stuff. Y'all love it? We do? All right. So here's Mr. Far, Far Away. Hey everybody, I'm your host Justin Rain and I am here on another episode of Fuckboy Problems. We have award-winning author and activist George M. Johnson here with us today. I'm so excited to have you. How are you doing today? I'm pretty well this morning. It's Saturday, so it's going to be a busy <laughs> day. I have to go to LA tomorrow, so I'm just like, I'm just... Oh. Yeah, my life now is like on the road. So um, I'm happy to be home for, I've been home for two days this week. So I'm happy. This is my second day. And um, you're like, I'm this is good. an accomplishment. <laughs> you're like, yeah. this is an accomplishment. <laughs> yes, to be home for two consecutive days. Yes. Okay. Well, that definitely is a blessing. Either way, <laughs> um, it's definitely where the heart is. So today's episode, you all, is called Mr. Far, Far Away. I think if you are young, black, gay, and dating, or, you know, you don't even have to be black, and you have probably met someone who seems like the perfect person, but they are a million miles away, and that always seems to be the case. So I'm so excited to hear your story about your man far, far away. So tell us about this person. Place us in the scene. What was the setting? Where did you meet them <laughs> at a Starbucks? It was raining. <laughs> oh, man. Um... 
you know, actually, I met them um, when we were, where were we? I would say we were on a trip. Okay. <laughs> and so we were on a trip, and um, I was with a mutual group of friends, and yeah, I had no expectations of, like, meeting someone. Um, it was a trip to, where were we at? To Miami. Um okay. So I had no expectations of meeting anyone. This was a while ago too. So like I had no expectations of meeting anyone. Just wanted to go down there, have a good time. It was like our yearly trip that we would do to Miami. And um, I met this guy um, at a club one night. Uh, we'll just say his name is, <laughs> we'll say his name is Romeo. And so hey, Romeo. I met this guy named Romeo in the club one night and you know we just really really hit it off and but of course like it was like I don't live here you know what I'm saying so it's like I don't even know how this could ever work because I don't live here but of course like people are always like oh I can do long distance like I don't know why people say that like a lot of people say that like a lot of people say it People are and quite he, overconfident about their ability they, to they, handle a long distance relationship. And it's funny though, for a person like me, because I actually know I can because I travel so much. Like any relationship I'm in is technically probably more likely than not going to be long distance um, because I travel so much. So it was just kind of like, okay, like, I, all right. Like, and again, anytime somebody says it, that should be like your. It should it shouldn't be a red flag, but sometimes it's like I feel like this is a red flag, y'all. Like, would y'all say it just so easily? And my follow up is like, are you a flight attendant? Is that the only way? That's always my follow up. Have, you do have where 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 that situation happens. Um, and so you know, for the first, I would say, let me see, one, two, three. For the first. 60 days it was great right like it was very communicative it was facetimes it was all of those things um and it was really really like working out really really well um i was living in new york at the time um so he actually came to new york uh to visit for a weekend you know we went out on a couple of dates like it was really really great um, but then, like, right after that, like, he started to get really, like, distant. You know what I'm saying? But, like, without mm-hmm. saying. Oh, yeah. And, it's like you've made a decision, but you have not informed I everyone informed else. Me. Right. Informed everyone else. Right. Um, and so I just remember that particular situation um, just because it was like there was no, like, be for anything that like it was like a great weekend like it was like communication was still happening but it was also like oftentimes what I feel is like people have like one foot in one foot out Mm. and so it's like you know it's almost like I really like this person but also um I want to still play the field and so it's like I don't want this person to start playing the field too so I stay in just enough Mm-hmm. To keep trying them to have their cake and eat it too, <laughs> while also being, you know, uh, still being out here in the field. The street, you know yeah, they in them streets. They in them streets. <laughs> they are. Um, and so, suffice to say, like after a while, like I'm, I'm intuitive, so it was just like I could kind of tell where things were heading, and it was just like I just decided to end it uh, before um, they did, because I'm just not gonna waste my time either. Like I, I don't. I tell everybody all the time, like, because I work so much and I'm doing so many things, like, time is the one thing that I don't have a lot of. So it's like, if I give you my time, that's probably like one of the most valuable things you can get from me is my time, because I don't have a lot of it. Um, and so nobody's going to waste it, because if you waste it, then I'm going to show off or, or carry. And it's like, I don't want to carry. So <laughs> you're like, I want to behave. Let me act yeah. right. And so, um, so yeah, like that was like my, my one, like th- that, that situation, I think for me taught me just a lot about like, um, even being like over, like over communicating. And so it's like, I'm very, very much like now more than ever, like I'm very uh, communicative anytime I enter into anything with what my life really looks like. Mm. Um, a lot of people, I think early on when they meet me and they see what's online, 
they're like, oh yeah, I could, I could easily be with someone like you or whatever. And it's like, once they start to actually see what my life looks like, the traveling, the, the being a public figure, the, the lists, the awards, the, the, all of the things, I think sometimes it brings out their insecurities mm-hmm. and then they like use them against me. <laughs> I'm like, I didn't do, I didn't do shit. I just was existing. I'm just doing you're me. Just, you're just uh, making them aware of all the things that maybe they may not be doing or doing, it brings right? out insecurities. Yeah. Yeah. And how they should be showing up. Now with this situation, as you cut him, like when you cut him off, did you have a conversation first to try to bring it up or really dig deeper and see, okay, where I feel a shift in the water, the, you know, it's not the same, you know, what yes. was that conversation? I, like you guys to some, <laughs> I use my words and Amen. I am not somebody who sugarcoats anything. Um, I, when I noticed it, when uh, he FaceTimed, I just told him, I was like, I can tell that something is different. Like, you just like, came straight for it. Yeah, like I'm. I don't. Yeah, I'm not a person that's gonna hold punches. I because I don't like my time being wasted. So it's like, you know, and you know, of course, like he went into like this explanation of like he just has a, you know, it's always they got a lot going on, and you know, Bitch, do you, have you met me? Right. I think I don't well, have time for that. You know, uh, these and, excuses. But I really think, honestly, though, like a lot of times, I'll say like with with certain situations that I've dealt with. I think when a person gets with somebody like myself and it seems like I'm, I mean, I, I'm pretty successful. Like I have a lot of great things going on between books and TV and all of these things. And I think when a person doesn't feel like they're matching that, it, it then almost, they like, um, they detach from you, mm-hmm. right? It's like every now and then I'll notice that like there are certain uh people who who are around me who like when I when I go up you notice them go down yeah I've seen that some people they feel like I think some people like when you're around someone whose light is shining so bright they don't see it as a compliment that I would even want you in my space so they go to like the glass half empty feeling where they're like well why am I even around and you're looking in the mirror and all you can think about is like all those negatives all those reasons why you shouldn't be with that person but exactly. we call that an inner saboteur, as we call <laughs> Charles right. would tell y'all. <laughs> yes. And so um, with that particular situation, I felt that the, the detachment was, was happening, but it was happening because I think that this person in particular, like where they were in life, wasn't necessarily matching where I was in life. And yeah, I, I just, you know, but we had a conversation. Like I, I'm very much not going to sugarcoat anything. You know what I'm saying? It was just kind of like a real conversation. And, you know, when it was like, you know, when he said he wasn't sure if, you know, he could continue on, I was like, well, listen, I'm gonna make it easy for you. We, we don't have to continue on. Like that's like, I, I'm, I'm not the type. Yeah. I'm just not that type. Like, like, oh, let's try to work it out. Listen, if you've already I don't made have time for the indifference, I don't like indifference. If you don't yeah, know, you don't yeah. know what you want. Right. It's like, and don't rush, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's it's like, yeah, because I, I can communicate pretty well. And I can pretty much like tell a person, like, this is how I feel right now in this moment. I've learned that a lot of people don't communicate really well. But um, a lot of people don't communicate their feelings really well. A lot of people um, almost expect you to be mind readers. That's true. What has that been like for you? That's tough because I am somebody who says, like, if, if, I, if there's something I don't like, I say it. But there will be like there there are just situations, whether it was like friends or former friends where something I did, they didn't like, but they never said anything. Right. And so it's like then they they, like people will hold a hold something against you that you don't even know is happening. And I'm always like, if you never state it, I can't address it. So Mm -hmm. I'm like that because I'm going on with my life. Yeah, then it's a one-sided beef because I, you literally have never said anything to me that I've done anything to you. So how can that even work? But I feel like that's the same thing with dating. I think we will date someone and there are like little things about them that we may not like. Like, mm-hmm. and it can be even as simple as somebody who like, when they chew their food, they smack, but you oh. never say anything to that person. And so it's like, if you never say anything to that person, then how can you just be mad at that person when they do something that you have never addressed? Yeah, you're just not setting them up for failure. I think we do a lot of that now. 
yeah. think a lot of what we do is we set people up for failure and we kind of blanket it and put a band-aid on it or wrap it up in this pretty package of like, oh no, I don't owe anyone any explanation. I don't need to explain anybody anything. And I'm thinking to myself, like, bitch, like, do you think you are a MacBook with a manual? <laughs> like sis like and like and I'm saying this as myself let me be very clear and I had a conversation I was like you know you could choose and you could opt not to share your feelings you could do that that's right or you could opt to be clear and set someone up for success just because Absolutely. I feel like it may be common sense okay you have two different lived experiences you know two different childhoods two different dating experiences at that we've dated very differently we lived very differently like we're two very different people so why would i expect you to approach me and my shit the way i expect you to without any like explanation or any yeah yeah or even like any type of direction like hey this is what i need so i think that is a huge weakness area in our you know in our generation and just in gay dating period um but my straight home girls tell me the same shit too everybody (laughs) needs niggas need a manual (laughs) yeah but i would say one thing too especially about me is like I'm very much like like I'll be 36 in um two weeks come on um, skin come <laughs> on look at the body oh god I'll be 36 you look amazing thank you um and so one thing that I'm very very sure of is who I am mm-hmm. and when I enter into things I, I'm very transparent about like who it is that I am, what I like, what I don't like. And I think a lot of people will hear me say it, but think like, oh, they're flexible on that. Or like, I'll like, they'll be like, oh, I can respect that. I can do it just so they can get into something with you and then be like, at some point they'll bend on that rule. Or they'll bend on that That is manipulative. Then they get into it and I'm like, well, no, I told you from like, literally, I told you from the very beginning that it was like, oh, I mean, I know you said that, but I just assumed that that was something you were compromised on. And it's like, I don't know why y'all do that. Like people, literally people tell you who they are and y'all then go into it already with like the motive of trying to change or make a person compromise on that thing. And it's like, I don't enter into stuff like that. When people say who they are, like, you know, a person will be like, you know, how they feel about monogamy. That happens a lot, you know, in our, I don't want to say in our community, that just happens a lot, how people's views of monogamy have changed. And mm-hmm. so like a person will literally tell you like, you know, like, oh, well, like, you know, I'm not sure about if monogamy is my thing. I think I'm more non-monogamous or I want this type of relationship. And people will enter into those and then try to make a person monogamous. And it's like, you cannot do that. Like, but I've seen it happen time and time and time again, where, um, people will do manipulative things like that, like enter into dating situations um, or the other one where you, we've actually seen this online where people will literally say like, they don't date without intention or with intention. Which and I think is the dumbest shit ever. I, I, I don't How is really that even possible? It. Yeah, because it's like, but are you telling the other person that? Like, because that's, that's manipulative and harmful if you're literally telling the other, like if you're not telling the other person that you're dating with intention, right? Like, I don't think every dating situation ends in a relationship, but the ultimate goal of dating is to find someone. Like if you were dating just to get free meal, I I don't know, like it just Or have you heard the phrase, go with the flow? They like to use that. Everyone loves to like throw that bandit or throw that label on like what they're doing instead of, I think people actually know, like I was talking to my therapist about this and she, I date a very indecisive person. So, which is very hard for me because I'm very decisive and I'm very direct. I'm kind of like you, I know what I want. I've done a lot of work to know what I want. And I'm like, I love ranch. You're not going to try to tell, talk me out of ranch. You can tell me you don't like it. And I'd be like, that's cool. Like you love hot sauce, get your hot sauce. I'm going to give them ranch. And if they have an aioli on the menu, I want to try it. But it's like, whatever the case may be. But my therapist, she was saying people try to use compromise as a weapon and people try to people see and a lot of it has to do with like how we were raised and kind of like some of these films and like ideas of love that we have and these ideas of relationships that we have fostered from like childhood and they're not really based on adulthood and real foundations of how the world works and exists 
we have these like fantasy ideas like if you love me you'll figure it out if you love me you'll bend on this you know like that's the definition of compromise i even think compromise is based in white supremacy because it's like this idea of like us you have to give 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 and a lot of times in my experience as a black person my mother was the definition of compromise the black woman in my home you know and women in my you know childhood were the definition of compromise you sacrifice you binge you break even you know to you know like succumb to this person and what they need which yeah. honestly i feel like it's more so you know we you could tell a person straight up where you are in life and they can and either you can get with it or you can't and i think you're <laughs> right i don't know but i really wish we would work on that and use compromise in a much better way or use it in a lot less often because right <laughs> i think we're like i think we're we're misusing that term i think it's misused often too yeah so what is your definition of a fuck boy? <laughs> oh man, my definition of a fuck boy. I would have to say my definition of a fuck boy is, hmm, I guess it would be, it's like a person who, um, who leans into the worst characteristics um it's like the, the the person who leads into like the worst characteristics of like the isms and the phobias i think okay i think you know when we really like break it all down it's like it's always attached to some type of misogyny like i said like the isms the phob phobias and the the knees <laughs> as they say. <laughs> Right. It's like it's, it's always attached to like a sexism or a misogyny mm -hmm. or an internalized homophobia or like oh, yeah. their, their ways of thinking and their ways of operating are oftentimes, in my opinion, attached to um, these very, very strong principles that harm other people. Um, and, and I think you, you just see how it plays out. Right. Whether it's the whole top bottom dynamic whether it's the whole you know and and then that having to equate to gender roles and like like all of these like archaic ideas that a lot of people you know end up in right um I think it's always attached to an ideology um and so I think like yeah like like a fuckboy ideology is is typically like they're just pulling pulling the, the the worst rules of misogyny and homophobia. And that is literally how they lead their lives, right? They're typically no fats and no femmes. And they're typically, I don't know, like you just will no, find- No, that's how they roll. It's I mean, very much my like, world and you live in it. in it. And so, yeah, I think that for me is my, my definition, right? Like, yeah, they just embody the isms, the, the obias, the phobias, and, and yeah, it's like they're the, the walking embodiment of those. Have Things you ever been a fuck boy? Of course, because we're all conditioned to 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 be those things, right? Like we're conditioned as uh, like growing up as a boy, I was conditioned to be misogynistic, and I was conditioned to be homophobic, and I was conditioned to be all of those things. And so, of course, I've, I've been um, many times. You know, like it, it is what it is. Like I said, until you like go through the unlearning process of a lot of those things, um, you never really can get to that space um yeah of of not being one um and like what I was said, your unlearning I, process like oh sorry yeah no no that's cool um my unlearning process it was really um researching education educating myself um I think as a journalist like the more that I was writing about our community issues the more I was really really learning about how I played a role in some of the issues within our community and like how I can now be better to make sure that I'm not playing a role in those issues, but that I'm actually advocating for those who are being harmed within community um, and recognizing the privileges that I get to have within uh, even LGBTQ community, even when, you know, within Black LGBTQ community, even when Black community, like there are still certain privileges, accesses and resources that I will have that others will not. Um, and so that was really like what, what really helped me with my unlearning and like focusing on like myself and the things that made me happy and like doing things that were not seen as masculine um because I don't always feel that I, I, I rarely feel quote unquote masculine like I've always felt more uh feminine and effeminate 
And so, you know, becoming into my 30s and really owning that part of me uh, helped me break down many of the barriers that uh, that in many ways, I guess, uh, could make me a hardened individual, uh, which could also make me a, a not so easy individual to get to know or, you know, um, someone who would distance themselves or, you know, not be 100 percent involved or invested in in something or someone. Um, and I think, yeah, that was pretty much the process for me. Like, as I continue to grow into this person, this writer, this storyteller, and uh, this non-binary, like all of the things that I feel and that I now know that I am, um, it helps me to unlearn all of the things that I was conditioned socially to be. Okay. So tell everybody out there about your career, how you went from activist, journalist, to now <laughs> screenwriter. <laughs> I mean, award-winning author, what was that journey like for you as a professional to get to where you are now? Yeah, my story is all over the place. Um, you know, I went to- I was college. like, here, 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 here. <laughs> I went to college. Uh, I got my bachelor's degree in finance and got a master's degree in human resource development. Um, originally, I was working uh, in higher education finances. I was a director of student accounts at Virginia Union. I um, did third-party billing at Georgetown University, was a director of one of the student accounts for um, another one of their schools that was there. Um, before, I just got kind of tired of that work and decided I wanted to do HIV work. Uh, HIV work is really when my activism really kicked into high drive. I just realized that, you know, the epidemic um, had never left our community. And because I had the words and, and the, the nuance to be able to really talk about it in a public way, um, that became my mission. And so I started to talk about that more. And then I started to talk more about Black LGBTQ issues specifically. Uh, and then just, you know, that all kind of tied into the, the issues that I would, I guess, uh, talk about publicly that just were happening in all of the Black communities uh, that we reside in, that our intersections hit. Uh, but realistically, when I was doing the HIV work, I, I was looking for like certain stories and I couldn't find them. And so um, my favorite quote is by Toni Morrison, which is, if there's a book that you want to read and hasn't been written yet, then you must write it. And I was like, you know what, maybe I'm supposed to write these stories. And so that's pretty much how my you know, writing career started is while I was doing uh, HIV work, I was a director of testing and counseling. I started writing about my experiences uh, and I would write about what my experiences were like dating uh, in, in our community and write about what my, our experiences were with testing and this and that and new technology and just like all of these things. Uh, and then I started to expand into other areas of pop culture and doing interviews and kind of like building my way up and building my career up. Um, and, you know, before I knew it, I then made another decision and stopped doing HIV work. Like I still do my own HIV act, uh, advocacy and activism uh, just outside of the nonprofit sec segment. And I decided to become a freelance journalist and did that for several years and was very successful at that uh, before I decided that it was time to write my story because I've been writing it in pieces. And it was like, I think it's time to write this book like and put it all together in totality and uh that's what birth all boys aren't blue and now the book is in multiple languages and being sold all over the world and uh you know like all these things are happening and uh gabrielle union and i are developing it into a television show that i'll be co-writing and executive producing so um you know and that that the treatment for the show was just approved last month so we're moving to like the next steps of pitching the show. And so it's it's exciting times, you know, um, to really be out there. And, you know, I also have another television project I can't talk about. But once I get into something, I'm like, oh, I can do this. And so I've actually, I co-wrote another television project, which is also about to move into some next steps too. So um, yeah, so now I'm doing screenwriting and I think eventually I'll probably go into directing. 
since come it, on don't limit yourself people keep saying it and they're just like do you how do you feel about directing how do you feel about directing like i've been asked that three times by directors like really well-known directors in the industry about how do i feel about directing and i think it's because they probably can read my words and see that i have vision and mm-hmm. i think they're probably you know a lot of them are like just based off of how you write like your vision is clearly there to direct it so you know i'm gonna probably start shadowing some directors soon and teaching That's myself smart. The angles, the lighting, the camera, like all of the stuff I need to know. Um, but yeah, that's just how I am. Like if it's something I can, I would say like if I can visualize it, then I know I can do it. And I can't always visualize everything. And so that's how I know it's not time to do certain things. Um, but for me, it's like if I literally can sit and just see it in my head, how it plays out, how it would look, then I know I can create it. And so that's so crazy. That's pretty that's much so how I choose projects, do projects. Like I have to be able to visualize it in my head. And so, yeah, and a lot of, cause I get that question. I'm not like, well, how do you know like that you can do this next thing? Or like, mm-hmm. you, like you just jump around. I'm like, it's, it has, I have to be able to see it. That's um, funny. I'm very yeah. similar in that way. Like it's a vision of my sleep. It always happens in my sleep, but I can, it's fully actualized though. Whatever idea I want to do, like even right. like the themes for this season. And like the photo shoots, like it's always like the words are always like in my head, like it's a full vision. I can see it already written. That's funny. Talk yeah. about confirmation. See, God are giving <laughs> gifts. God are giving gifts. Yes. So, okay. And then tell yeah. everybody where they can find you on social media. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, <laughs> yeah. TikTok, TikTok is everybody. A young person's game. It's a lot of work. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of work. It's a lot my of joints, my mind. The editing, and I'm just like, I don't be having all this time for this show. Like, so you gotta have a whole nother person on staff just to do your yeah, TikTok. To do that. Like, so my TikToks are not as creative as everybody else's. I'm usually just talking, explaining like high-level points and and breaking stuff down for folks, which is what I love doing anyway. Um, but I am GM Johnson is Twitter, IG and TikTok and then Facebook, which I'm still there. Uh, it's just my full name, George Matthew Johnson. So yep. So well, when we come back, we will have our fuck boy versus fucked up portion of the show. So everybody stay tuned. I couldn't help but wonder. 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 Are men just women with balls? This is a good time to vent. Officially. Now in the great tradition of Paris is burning. The library is about to be open. Because reading is what? Fundamental. That's right, children. Hey everyone, we are back with our fuckboy versus fucked up portion of the show. I have George M. Johnson here, award-winning writer, activist, screenwriter, soon-to-be director on your screen. We're going to manifest it and speak it into existence, all right? Yes. All right. So I'm going to read you a letter today, and we are going to weigh in and decide if this person is a fuckboy, if the situation is just fucked up, all right? So the subject line comes in and it reads, long distance liar. All right, subject. (laughs) The person writes in, they say, hi, F-boy probs. I've lived in Phoenix, Arizona all my life. I love everything about it here, except maybe the dating scene for Black gays. When I was younger, I took pride in being the only brown person in school and other spaces, but it wasn't until recently over the past few years, I was able to see the beauty in my Blackness. That's good. That's also why my eyes weren't open to the lack of Black options earlier on in life in my town. Due to those lack of options and my desire to now date a person of color, preferably Black, I've surrounded surrounded myself with options that are only out of town and succumb to dating someone now long distance for the past four months. He's a solid guy, great communicator, and very self-aware. But here's where the fuckboy stuff comes in. When we originally talked about dating, we agreed that we rotate flying each week to visit each other. The first time I came to visit, he got a hotel room and said he wanted our first weekend there to be special. So I thought nothing of it. Next thing I knew, he's telling me that he's booked a trip back to visit me during my week to visit him. Then he does it three times in a row. 
finally, I wanted to surprise him and I guess ease my concerns and insecurities by popping up at the beginning of the week to see him before he could hop on a plane to see me. When I go to his door, he answered, but he wasn't alone. He had not one, but two children. And I'm sitting there confused as fuck. He explained later that he was super private and protective of his family. And he didn't want a relationship to disrupt his children's lives if he wasn't sure of it. I asked, could I meet his kids at the time? And he said, no. So I packed my bags and left on the next flight home. That was two weeks ago. And I still feel the same about how he handled this. It was trifling. And what makes it worse is, is all the lying that had to go into it. I just feel so deceived. I feel like my choice was taken away from me. I feel like he'll lie about that. Who knows what else he could lie about or keep away from me, especially given the long distance where we can't be with each other more frequently. Plus, he's made it more than perfectly clear he's not moving. So I'd have to move there to close the gap. And I told you, I really love where I'm from. So please tell me if this dude is a fuckboy trying to play me for a fool or if this situation is just fucked up and worth seeing through. Signed, Alex in no man's land. <laughs> well. Um, All right, Alex. <laughs> for a thousand, Alex said, I'm coming in high, okay? <laughs> That's a bit much. Um, variables. <laughs> that was a lot, yeah. Um, I have a lot of thoughts. <laughs> um, <laughs> Where to begin? <laughs> right. I have a lot of thoughts. Um, one, <laughs> one, this is, and this is just for Alex. The, the first rule of long distance dating is that you cannot be hardened on what location y'all will eventually end up at. Mm, that's a good one. I've never heard that before. If you are already entering it and in your mind you do not want to leave Phoenix, then you may want to reconsider if long distance dating is for you. Because as someone who who does long distance dating, um, I know that I can't be so hardened on location. Um, like I know, like like even if I'm like like I casually date now, but. I'm very transparent about the fact that in December, I'm moving to LA. Doesn't mean that we have to stop dating. It just means that I'll be on a different coast. But I often date people who also travel a lot too. And so that's why I say like, when it comes to long distance dating, realistically, it is about the moments when you make time to be together. And you do know at some point, if you decide to really go to the next level where it is okay, we are not exclusive, we are not this, then a conversation does need to be had about where is our home base going to be. Um, but you can't be entering it like, this is my, like, I'm never leaving LA, right? Like, I'm never, leaving. it's like, I can't enter it like that because if this person really may need to be on the East Coast for certain things and I can do my work from the East Coast, then I may need to make that decision. Okay, you know what, I can, yeah, we can, we can live in DC. Or we can now live that's in, compromise. That's real um, compromise in action. <laughs> right. And but but it's also because my work can happen anywhere, right? Whereas my partner's work may not be able to happen anywhere, right? And so it's like, do I make you uproot your whole career to come and stay where I'm at when I have a career that I could live in Texas, I could live in London, I could live anywhere in this world, and my career is literally going to be fine, right? So I would that would just be my advice to Alex is when you really enter this particular type of dating, like you have to also remember that that other person, especially if that other person's career is like really, really something high up, like a VP, you know, like something really solid. You can't be mobile. You know, you may have to be the one to 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 go to them. Like that's just real. Um, because I and I and I'm always open to that anytime I'm in a, a situation with someone. Um now on to the the <laughs> the, rest of, the rest of the mess um the kids thing is always tough i i mean mm -hmm. this that's tough like it is tough well twofold one should he have told you he had kids yes i do think he he should have said that what i don't think you should have been introduced to his kids yet though 
<laughs> yeah, that's why I'm calling it split. I think it's about I, I, how he went about it. I think it's about yeah, how these how he went were about done. it with that ass Ron. I think he should have told you he had that's a kid. the trifling part, which you which you've already addressed and you know for yourself. So stop questioning that. I feel yeah. like you don't even need to. I feel like if you know for a fact, I honor feelings. If I know yeah. exactly this is how I feel exactly in this yeah. moment, I'm not trying to rationalize this bullshit yeah. with you. Yeah, but the time to introduce a person to your kids. That's three months is not yeah y'all have been together four months i think it's that three or four months like that's way too close in my opinion like i think like Mm -mm. you have to be really really sure that this is the person that i'm deciding to really move forward with before you really start to introduce them to your kids because your kids get an attachment to that person and then you don't want to remove that particular attachment from your kids right so like you got to be really 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 sure about that um and i think it does take more time i think um you know also it seems like you know y'all were moving really fast forward like yeah four months i I, i'm still getting to know you yes i want people to understand like um like i get like you, you like i think you have to build i think you have to build a foundation to even get to a place of where we're traveling that often to see one another. Yeah, that was that that was an it investment was from the gate. That was, that was investment very from quick. The gate. Like you, you maybe didn't y'all, maybe y'all are privileged. Maybe y'all are in a position to be able to right. do that, which is the great. Person has money if they're able to travel yeah. three weeks in a row to come and see you, right? So clearly, this person's money is, seems to be pretty decent. But I still think that more time should have been spent not just necessarily on these particular trips, but like figuring out the thing each other are each other are right. You know, like um, FaceTime, like, and he says that they have good communication. So, um, but then it's also like, well, what are y'all talking about though? Right. Like, cause it's like, cause how do you not uncover that? But then on the other hand, I, he made like, that whole statement about show his kids. Like I, I don't so even. It's so many questions. <laughs> I might do the yes. social media. Show the kids, or but then so then I'm trying to rationalize. It's like in my mind, I'm like, okay, so in my mind, this person is older. Yes, so they have two kids. So. so I've already kind of I'm trying to like put them in a box based on my dating experience. So I'm like, okay, so he has to be like older, right? Or oh, at least mid thirties. In my mind, he has to be at least thirty five, and. Th- also to just be able to travel like that unless you're a flight attendant or something like i'm just thinking like career-wise to be there and where i'm at i, I don't know maybe my money not moving hard enough but <laughs> but yeah and then but then he made the statement um alex made the statement about all the lies that went into having to keep this a secret yeah. so then i'm thinking okay like yeah, I guess when you all weren't apart, you guys were video chatting or something. And then it's like, okay, what's that noise? Oh, I got to call you back. Like, I just think about every <laughs> dinner with your kids. Oh my gosh, it's so many factors. Did you only talk at 10? And then you said you yeah. work late every day. Yeah. But then I've also talked to people where we didn't, I dated people where we didn't talk till late at night or we That's didn't true. talk um, till they were at the end of their day and they were wrapping up. And that was kind of like our little set of, set time that we would chat every day when they were yeah. at the end of their day, which I guess that would make it easy to keep your story straight. I don't know, but Alex, you made a really great point about all the lies that went into it. And I guess like for me, I could get hung up on that part too, to just yeah. be like the deception of it all. But then yeah. all right, would anything for your kids, I'll do anything for my kids. Right, because the other side looks like something too. Um, I just yeah. think it's a, I think it's a fucked up situation. I think it's um, I think the person probably just didn't know how to say that they already had two kids. Um, Alex, I'm not even sure what your age is, um, yeah. but I can't imagine. I mean, I don't like if you are younger, like in your twenties you know, a person who has two kids already trying to tell a 20 something year old that they have two kids. I can't even imagine what that conversation would look like. Um, hell, I can't even imagine what telling somebody in their thirties that they got two kids, that conversation would look like, you know, cause that's, that's I tough. No, I've heard it and I, I've seen it, and you know, not two kids. I've seen the dynamics of how that is a lot. It is a lot. It is a lot. Um, but I do think that you were definitely in a fucked up situation, uh, that, whomever this person was, they should have been transparent with you up front. 
um, about just the fact that they had kids, um, you know, um, and yeah, but also like slow down, like it's okay. Like, yeah, I think they need to go in reverse. Reverse, yeah, like that was moving real fast, like already deciding y'all was gonna alternate weeks to meet each other. That's moving really quickly. Um, Cause I'm not making that much of an investment money-wise. Mm-mm. It's something I've only known for. I can a- see you like once a month and we could have been good. <clears throat> right, while we building. And then you get to like that place, but it's like, to, to say y'all was gonna meet each other alternating weeks and y'all had just met, that's a lot of investment up front. Um, you know, that's a lot of attachment up front. And yeah, I feel like you can also be investing in yourself because that can be a very slippery slope. I think there are pros and cons to have someone being in your city because, yes. okay, you do have access. It's nice to have access, but you'll be surprised how many people as you're dating, you can live in the same place, but you don't see each other as often as maybe you think you would. That's true. Um, sometimes people just like the option. I know people that just like the option. I'm a person to where like, I just like the option. And I like, because I like my choices to be my own. And you'll yeah. be surprised how often you would choose not to or your own time or all the other things that you have going on in your own life, hopefully would pull you, you know, to focus on those and not, you know, make this the, make this relationship like the center of your life. Um, I agree. I think y'all definitely need to reverse. I worry a little bit. I think you tried to make the whole thing about yourself when he said no about seeing your children. You're like, oh, I'm just going to be up and be out. I think um, I think you should have used that moment or hopefully when you guys do speak, you can use it as a moment to kind of reset and you can already decide for yourself if you even want to date someone with kids. And if you do, I think you guys really have to reevaluate what you're sharing and how you're getting to know each other to your point, because what are you all talking about at night? Yeah, because if kids kids at some point would would come up i would think do you but, want children do you want to get married that's children. one of the first exactly. few things yeah, i talk that, that about is, yeah, for me like, that's a non-negotiable that's yeah i would i so, would think if y'all were three months into it i can't imagine a conversation around kids not coming up once because i'm just thinking about my own long distance dating experience yeah and how i chat that comes up month, we've talked about like kids we talk about marriage, it. monogamy, like you yeah, like, about like the yeah, those conversations usually come up within the first 60 days, like you know, because you do want to know like just where you where people's thoughts are with that. And so if that conversation didn't come up, then I don't know. That's kind of it did and he lied, then I then I would have something I, else. You need to right. yeah, you then need to understand. Like, I need I to understand what fuck, trauma might have a fuck boy. <laughs> well, he already on the borderline for me. Right. Right. But if he if, if the kid conversation came up and he talked about it like he didn't have any kids, then you need to go on about your go on about your business. Business and yeah. I think he most definitely lied about this kid <laughs> conversation from the way we have heard this. I think he most yeah. definitely lied about yeah. this. It's yeah. your choice how you want to forgive or how you want to deal with yeah. this. Well, um, you know, there's always three sides to a story. And so that's why I, I try to have a little bit of empathy for the other side because it's like the other side letter might look totally different and then we might both of us be sitting here like oh girl you didn't tell us all this stuff right up (laughs) back alex fill in the hole (laughs) but But, yeah i just think it's a fucked up situation and it happens more often than not because i've had it happen to me where a person didn't say that they had kids and then later on found out that they had kids and um yeah the only grace I'm going to give is I don't see how you guys did not have this conversation about kids, but <laughs> nevertheless, I will want to ask this one question. I guess what in your life, I need to understand what previous experiences, what traumas, you know, your partner has had to lead them to want to be so withholding about something so important and so, you know, such a crucial part of their life. Because I think if you all can't get on the same page and have an understanding about why his choices and what like you know what his level of transparency is going to be moving forward because you did make a great point about if he'll lie about that what else will you lie about mm-hmm. i think you all need to get a good understanding about okay what else are you not being transparent about is this the only thing 
you know, so that you don't have any more gotchas or anti-oops as you move forward in the future. But I think regardless, y'all need to get up out of that rabbit lane and y'all need to move up into the little tortoise lane, the little turtle lane. You know how like when you're driving on the um, lawnmower yes, and they have yes, rabbits totally. and they have turtle, you need to turn that thing all the way on down. You know? <laughs> and this little rock or bump in the road that y'all hit probably was in y'all's favor, to be honest. Yeah. Because you may have not slowed down because you didn't really have anything stopping you. And now yeah. reality has gotten in the way and kind of burst your little fantasy bubble. And I think now is the opportune time to figure out, you know, if you want to put up or shut up. But guess what? This is a relationship. This is a commitment. And both of you all have the choice to walk away. So exactly. um, I'm calling him a fuck boy. I'm about that one, <laughs> honestly, because <laughs> you're just like, it's just too many. It's too many ways to a do it right. Yeah, it's, it's a too lot many of ways that. to do it right. It's too many ways to do it right. And you... Mm-mm. And if you did not think I was mature enough to handle it, that also is something else. Yeah, that's true too. It's just so many layers. It's a lot, it's a lot of layers, but yeah. But also Alex, like, again, don't be so dead set on Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Like I grew up in a city too, but I've moved around a lot. Like, I don't know a whole lot of people who have lived only in one place their whole life. Like you got to see some world. Yeah, maybe you need to explore, Alex. Maybe you need yeah, to travel. Yeah, I, I think you need to travel a little bit. Not just travel, but consider moving to a different major city. Like, yeah, go seeing what a uh, seeing what a, a black like a a major city like. Oh, a that's a great like point. Atlanta, like, a, because I, I don't think if you've never experienced a city Living that a black as a black LGBTQ community, um you you may be missing out on way more than you're even thinking that you're missing out on because socialization is important too and so like it is important to be able to be in places where you have social community outside of just dating and circles of people so like just consider that too because um that's a really great point i think that would be very helpful considering you're saying (laughs) you just had this discovery you know, a lot of people, you'd be surprised. I'm actually very grateful that you shared that because a lot of people probably are going through that, you know, in the wake of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and these other things that have happened. I've had different friends. I'm from Arkansas. So yeah. I grew up with a lot of wiggers, got cousins, all <laughs> right. kind of, you know, so you'll be surprised how people awake, awaken and how many people are awakening, you know, to their own bias and, you know, internalized racism, you know, and it's beautiful that you have blossomed. <laughs> and we just want you to keep growing baby and um maybe you need to um, uproot yourself in a lot of That's ways i really think yeah like uprooting yourself sometimes like i remember like i was living in dc and i was miserable at the time and like i moved to new york and that was when my career took off it was when everything changed and now i'm in jersey about to go to la like come on jersey okay to, yeah like it's okay to you know not not let the grass grow under your feet for a little while you know and move around a little bit go to a new city make some new friends and new city actually, equals new dig bitch <laughs> right i didn't and say actually, that you know and actually get to feel what it feels like to have community you know it, it could change your entire perspective on everything and then you won't have to worry about this long distance shit from phoenix all right you can just go meet a nigga at starbucks right hello <laughs> All right, well, when we come back, we will have our song of the week portion of the show. Hey, how about we listen to a little bit of music? Bro. How did you know? I love this song. Mm, hi. That is my song. Hi. You know they gave me a shout out on the album, right? What? Yes. Everywhere I go, mm, mm, I see mm. the same. We are at the song of the week portion of the show here on Fuckboy Problems Radio. We have George M. Johnson here, award-winning writer, activist, author, screenwriter. The titles just keep going on because that's how long that resume is. (laughs) (laughs) So tell us what is your song of the week this week? Yes. So my song of the week this week is Phyllis Hyman's You Know How to Love Me. Um, it was during, I believe this song came out in the 70s, during disco era. Um, prior to that, Phyllis Hyman was singing uh, mainly ballads. Uh, she has one of the best voices we have ever heard, uh, in my opinion. And that is why people like Jill Scott, Erica Badu, Brandy, Monica, Beyonce, the list goes on. Whitney Houston have mentioned 
Phyllis as one of their icons, but this song in particular was like her first time venturing into a new genre of music and uh, almost 40 years or over 40 years later, this song is still like a major, major uh, feel good uh, moment for uh, house, specifically house music. It is probably the top house music song. Like when it comes on, everybody knows what this song is. It's a party um, in the park when they is, come on. Yeah, it is. And um, it is also one of those songs that has a seven minute and 34 second <laughs> version of it uh because back then they used to when they used to make songs they used to make a radio version a middle limb version and a very long limb version for the clubs uh because they didn't know how to um cut music yet and so you would have to mm -hmm. a very breakdown like that had like all of this in it but yes it is my song um it makes me smile it makes me happy and anytime you play it you could just see the room light up and people's faces light up because of how um, beautifully constructed the song is and the melodies are uh, of the music. And so, yeah, that is my song of the week. All right, well, here we go. Here's a little, oh, excuse me, Phyllis Hyman for y'all <laughs> ears. And please make sure to add our playlist on Apple Music and Spotify. Here we go. If you think you can. Okay. Deanna. If you wanna be somebody, if you wanna go somewhere, you better wake up and pay attention. If you wanna be somebody, if you wanna go somewhere, you better wake up and pay attention. If you wanna be somebody, if you wanna go We are now at the final part of the show, you all, our fuckboy fix. You all know it's my favorite. It's a tip. It's an affirmation. It's a self-care phrase. Just a great word to inspire you and keep you all going if you're in a similar situation or, you know, you just need a little pick-me-up on a bad day. George, what's your fuckboy fix this week? Um, My fuckboy fix this week is um, you can't use other people to fill your voids. And so one thing that you, you have to do is when you are feeling devoid of something, um, the onus is on you to figure out how you yourself can, can fill that, that void. Uh, we often will use other people to fill in gaps and fill in spaces um, of ourselves that we have either been unwilling to work on um, or uh, unable to find the, the ways in which we need to work on them. Uh, but it's really, really important that you yourself work on um, filling your own voids, uh, which is why I often hate the phrase um, when people say they're looking for the perfect half, it's because you shouldn't be looking for the perfect half. Um, you should be looking for the perfect whole and you should be whole. And so um, looking for the perfect half is literally, that means you're looking for someone to fill 50% of you to make you whole. And that, that philosophy cannot work. And so that is what my affirmation to everyone is this week is um, if you are feeling devoid of something, uh, not to try and use other people to fill those voids, but to try and use uh, yourself to really work on yourself and heal yourself in a way uh, that you can come out whole. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much. You all, I hit George up. I was like, I want you to do this. Will you please do this? And then he was like, yes. And it's just so amazing when you can see people who are doing amazing things and inspiring you that still will reach out and still do things like this for the community. So I really, really appreciate you taking your time today to do this. Tell everybody out there 
about All Boys Aren't Blue. Y'all better buy the book by We Are Not Broken, buy them all, buy your cousin, your friend, your auntie one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and tell everybody yeah. out there where they can see you on social media and what's up next. For anything yes. <clears throat> yeah. So once again, on social media, I am GM Johnson on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok. Yes, I might. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, George Matthew Johnson on Facebook. IamGMJohnson.com is my website to keep up with uh, anywhere I'm traveling to, to do book signings and everything. Uh, what's coming up next? Again, uh, we are in full development mode with this television show based on the book All Boys on Blue that got Gabrielle Union optioned. Um, I'm also working on another really, really important uh, musical TV project uh, that hopefully we'll be able to talk about more publicly within the upcoming months. Um, I am also always writing books. So I uh, have another book that will be coming out in 2023 um, entitled Property of No State. I am writing letters to um, our enslaved ancestors um, in a way that talks about the totality of their story and existence connecting past to present and uh, an effort to talk about what our future liberation needs to look like. Um, mm, so you're gonna take me that. out with that one. I'm already <laughs> yeah, ready. Yeah, a lot of people are excited. I'm excited. It's been hard to write, but 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 healing too in many ways. Um, so I'm excited about that. And also in 2023, I have a middle grade book coming out called Five Second Violation, uh, which will talk about two best friends, uh, two 13-year-old boys who are the stars of their basketball team. Uh, one friend confides in the other friend that they think that they may be gay. The other friend outs the friend uh, accidentally, and it divides the entire school. Um, and you will have to watch how these two friends uh, fall apart uh, and eventually have to build each other back up together again. Mm. Feels like Jess with the mess. <laughs> No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But thank you again so much for lending your time, lending your voice, lending your stories, and your talents. A little bit of advice too. You okay, you hooked the people up today. So thank you so much for your time and your energy. And until next time, bye, for boys. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Please make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at underscore fbprod. Also, if you want to see video clips from today's episode, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel by visiting our link tree at linktr.ee slash fbprobs. And go ahead and add our playlist on Spotify and Apple Music while you're there. And last but not least, if you've got fuckboy problems or just want some advice, email us at fbprobs at justinrain.com. Until the next episode, bye, bye fuckboys! Boys.